0: Today's episode of Juicing the Numbers Zero Statistics and Sports Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy.
1: And I am one of your hosts, Corbin Miller.
0: And uh, it is Sunday, July 11th, which means it is the last day of baseball games as we head into the All-Star break. Games will resume on Thursday um, with a singular game between the Yankees and Red Sox. All other teams, the remaining 28 teams, will pick up play on Friday. Uh, the 15th, 16th, you decide, I don't give a shit. Um, so we fear we talk a little bit. It is the 16th. Okay. Uh, fear we talk a little bit about a little bit about where we are with some standings and what teams uh, should be on the lookout for in the second half. Talk a little bit about some injuries. And as we're speaking now, the MLB draft is underway. Um, I guess we'll start there because why not? Um and the first player taken I think we all thought reasonably so would be Jack Leiter who has been lighting it up at Vanderbilt all season and has made Vanderbilt uh appointment television during his his starts there this season and instead with the first overall pick in the MLB draft um, the Pittsburgh Pirates, a team that could oh definitely use pitching as every team could use pitching, but bad teams especially could use future pitching. Um, instead opted to take a catcher, which is an interesting choice, uh, opting to take Henry Davis out of University of Louisville. Um,
1: Louisville.
0: Sorry, you're right. University of Louisville.
1: Louisville. Uh, L1C4.
0: Just to put in perspective, Jack Leiter this season um, has a record of eleven and four, a two one three ERA, uh, pitching eighteen games, one of which was a shutout. He's thrown one hundred and ten innings. Uh, he had allowed thirty runs, only twenty six of which were earned. Fourteen home runs, forty five walks, one hundred seventy nine strikeouts, and one hundred ten innings. Yeesh! It's a strikeouts per nine of fourteen point six. Uh, his whip was 0.845. Uh, 8, um, his hits per nine was a touch below four, sitting at 3.9. And his strikeout to walk ratio was just below four at 3.98. Um, so some might say, God damn, what a season. Um, that someone might be me. Uh, Corwin, um, what do you think of this?
1: On one hand, like Henry Davis, of what I've read on him in the past hour, because I'm not a baseball prospect or evaluator, I should say, um, is he has a tremendous bat and really great arm. So the quality of the pick itself, I can get over. Like, it's he's still a good player if your guys like him. You know, this isn't football where there is genuine consensus picks that are, you know a significantly higher success rate than what you would find in baseball, where, you know, by all means, for 80% of first overall picks when it's not a quarterback, you're going to be a sure thing, Um, just because of the difficulty of evaluation and and how close, you know, college is to uh, the NFL in terms of um, finding those, you know, key principal um characteristics and things like that but at the same time you're the Pittsburgh Pirates and you have probably the worst reputation in all of baseball you have a team with one star in Cabrian Hayes who's in his rookie year because no one else on your team is of note I mean Adam Frazier is an all-star how many people do you think know who Adam Fraser is? How many people do you think know who Cabrian Hayes is? Unless you're you know, an active baseball fan, you don't know those names. No one on the Pirates is a household name. And you have a guy like Jack Leiter, who, you know, even Kumar Rocker, who just went 10th overall because of concerns with his fastball. Yeah, he's probably not going to be the best singular player prospect in the class jack lighter easily can be by a mile i mean he's as close to a consensus top overall sure thing you know mlb ready pitchers you're going to find in an mlb draft um and he's a name that people would recognize and people can be happy with come watch the pirates to see and get excited for the pirates to see and they go with the guy that nobody really knows outside of you know avid college baseball or mlb fans so quality of the player itself i think is at the end of the day something you can stomach and something you can accept and something you can say hey these guys know more than me if they prefer it and that's where they want you know to put the resources for this team go ahead but when it comes to team branding and and trying to get fans to give a shit about pirates baseball i think it's a, a huge miss
0: yeah, it's really tough. And obviously, Corin and I can't sit here and say this is verifiably the wrong choice for all the reasons he laid out. It's baseball. It's a crapshoot. We're not going to be able to make a decent evaluation on this until maybe five years from now. And even then, depending on how much Major League service time each player has had, it might not even be viable yet. Tough to say. It, it's a It's a sport that requires a lot of patience. However, this is going to be... No one wants to end up like the Houston Astros of 1994, 93, when everyone and their mother said, Hey, take Derek Jeter. And the Houston Astros said, Nope, Phil Nevin. Um, And that's why Derek Jeter got taken second overall by the Yankees. And Phil Nevin is now the Yankees third base coach. And everyone has to remind people that that was the guy that got taken before Jeter. Um, Because the thing about going with, with the, the guy that everyone thinks is gonna go first is that if it doesn't pan out, everyone goes, Well, I mean, yeah, you know, life's a crapshoot, who knows? Right. Um and but if you don't take him first, and it works out for the team that did take him, everyone's gonna look at you like you're the biggest fucking asshole who overthought an easy choice.
1: Drafting Derek Jeter and him turning into Phil Nevin doesn't get you fired. Drafting Phil Nevin because you prefer him to a guy like Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter turning into Derek Jeter and Phil Nevin turning into Phil Nevin gets you fired. And we see that a lot with NFL teams where there's a lot of concern or there's a lot of question marks and it may not necessarily be what's right for the team, but people are so vocal about wanting a certain player. That teams will go with the safe pick, and you'll see teams go with, you know, very boring consensus picks. Sorry, boring consensus picks because they have to to save their job, or, you know, they want to stick with the quarterback that didn't really pan out the first couple of years. You're trying to change their environment, but shit, there's a good quarterback at our draft slot. We kind of have to take them because we need to buy ourselves some time and some runway here when it comes to, you know, the team. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, the Pirates scouts, as much as we can joke about them, know a hell of a lot more about baseball and watched a lot more film and saw these guys in person a hell of a lot more than either of us did because our experience is pretty close to zero. Um, But, yeah, we talk about baseball because, shit, man, we got to talk about something, not much going on.
0: You want to hear my conspiracy theory? Yes. Uh, the Pirates didn't take Jack Leiter first overall because they thought he might ask for more money as a signing bonus.
1: Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's a huge thing with with uh, the MLB draft. Is I mean, the Orioles do it all the time. I saw a bunch of people on Twitter... Just hoping and praying that they don't do it again this year and they did but they'll take guys that are significantly worse than their draft slot ahead of guys that are just universally thought of as better players because hey we can save some money and put that money elsewhere in the draft so
0: and if you think to yourself why would an organization do that to the future talent pool of their own players for what is a relatively insignificant amount of money um, in the short term, midterm, and long term, uh, it's because they're cheap as shit. like they could also afford to pay their minor leaguers a fair wage, uh, for a full year, let alone just during the playing season for a very nominal amount of money to a multi million dollar, two billion dollar, uh, corporation. And they also choose not to do that. So, yeah, we're talking penny pinching losers, um, all over the place. So, yeah. Because, you know, obviously it's easy for uh, us rational people um, who understand that investment costs money and in order to be good in sports, you have to have good players uh, to sit back and say, hey, you know, if you spend, I don't know, an extra one million dollars, which is not a lot of money in the world of business in general, especially sports. Um, then your team could be significantly better off five years from now, making playoff runs, generating better ad revenue because you get better TV deals, like all sorts of things. But the way the front offices operate is uh, on the assumption of you should go fuck yourself. And here we are.
1: I'm a Toygarian. Your Jedi mind tricks don't work on me. Only
0: money. Essentially. that's that's every Wado, MLB Wado front is,
1: office. Yep, Wado is every MLB GM.
0: Yes. Yeah. The the um, for Jedi AJ mind Preller tricks
1: because he loves to spend money. Yeah.
0: The Jedi mind tricks in this case being um, statistics sense. and yeah common <laughs> sense. Um. So I don't have anything. I don't. I also know nothing about uh, Henry Davis. I can tell you his slash line for the season in fifty games and two hundred twenty-eight plate appearances. Uh, he has 68 hits, nine of which have been doubles. No triples. 15 home runs. Um, he has gotten 48 RBIs, 10 stolen bases, three caught stealings, 31 walks, uh, 24 strikeouts. As a batting uh, batting line, I should say, of 370, 482, 663 for an 1145 OPS, which is uh, really, really fucking good. <laughs> so. It's not here to say that Henry Davis is a bad pick by any means um, because I'm sure he'll be a good player and whether or not he stays with catcher is always tough because um, usually the best hitting catchers get told to play a position that's not catcher so that they can have more longevity, AKA what happened to Bryce Harper, um, who was originally a catcher and got put in the outfield because he had a really good bat and catchers don't play every day. And they often have shorter careers and they can't run as fast because they're like, there's a whole bunch of physical reasons why you wouldn't want to be a catcher. Um, if you're very talented. So whether he stays at catcher or not, I guess, doesn't really matter right now. Uh, the fact of the matter is he seems like to be a good hitter. So you take what you can get, take what you can get. Um, righty. He's a righty. How
1: old's Buster Posey?
0: Buster Posey? 34. Um,
1: okay.
0: I was going to say in my mind, he's 90. But in reality, hes I was going to say 32. So 34 right, like, makes sense.
1: He seems 90 because he's a catcher and has been playing for, wow, uh 12 seasons pretty good and Um, he's been
0: a catcher for like most of it he, he plays some first base but not a lot
1: not often um but 12 seasons is not an outrageous amount of time for a hall of fame level player like buster posey is but because he's a catcher that's you know like yadier molina is an insane uh longevity for a career Insane amount of time.
0: Insane in the membrane.
1: Insane in the brain.
0: Uh, all right, so Jack Leiter ends up going to the Texas Rangers, which, uh, again, couldn't be a bad pick for any team. Uh, it's also tough as comparison in comparison to football because you can look at, you know, a team that needed a corner takes a corner, and you expect that guy to be on the roster the following season. You know, you draft a guy in, in April, and you expect him to be on the team in September um starting for you game one which this is not the case so it's um it's tough to look at like you know we'll get to some teams that took position players but it's, it's tough to say like oh the shortstop yes they needed a shortstop because chances are that shortstop is not coming up for two to four seasons conservatively and at that point it's going to be like what's your team even fucking look like there buddy uh but again never a wrong time to take Jack Lyda. um Afterwards, the Detroit Tigers took Jackson Joby Jobe, Jobe, who's to say? Uh, right-handed pitcher out of Heritage Hall High School. Uh, this is actually a back-to-back high school pick, with the next pick also being a high school student, um, which is just wild. Apparently, Jackson, he's
1: only been pitching for a year.
0: I'm not I'm not surprised because, you know, the thing is the thing about high school and college baseball is that you're going to get moved around a lot as your body continues to develop and you figure out what position you're best suited for. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. obviously, there are people who like I pitched in middle school, so I'm just going to be pitching in, in high school, too. And then I would pitch in high school, I'll try to pitch in college. But, you know, if you end up being like a, an outfielder with an amazing arm, they're going to be like, hey. You thought about pitching? Because you just threw like 90 flat footed in the outfield. And um then you get guys like I guess this guy who's like throwing rope. So oh, I can't say I'm surprised there.
1: <laughs> the throwing rope, and the first thing I thought of was shooting rope, and I was like, what Very are you different. getting this shit? From your ass? um oh, fuck.
0: i have scouting grades on um jackson job which we've never actually talked about before so that's interesting uh his fastball is great 60 a 70 slider uh 55 curveball and a 60 changeup. his control got rated a 50 and overall he got a 60 so for anyone unfamiliar with baseball grades they run on a scale from 20 to 80 um so he seems he's, he's slightly above average in all his categories, but he's very young. And I'm assuming they see a lot of promise in what um, he's been throwing. The fact that he's
1: slider on an 18 year old kid who's been that's pitching for exactly what I was about to say. What <laughs> the fuck,
0: that's pretty fucking good. It's like that's kind of ridiculous. You
1: don't, you don't see 70 grades in prospects almost ever, let alone a high school prospect like that
0: yeah and if he's throwing that well you know and a 60 fastball like he's only 18 and from the picture that he has on his uh prospect page looks to be a relatively slimmer dude like you put him in a weight room with a with a good training program for how to shape pitches and get better arm action like that dude's gonna be slanging it um
1: a I reference mean, wander franco sorry to cut you off like that no, go ahead Uh, Wander Franco as a prospect, number one overall prospect for like the past, like two and a half years, uh, is a 70 grade overall. So a 70 grade slider for an 18 year old kid throwing, you know, for a year is pretty outrageous.
0: And the fact that he's 60 overall, like that's also rather high. Like it's Mm -hmm. scouts aren't nice for no reason. Like, Like they'll rate you a 20.
1: Adley Rushman, number one pick last year, number one overall prospect in baseball right now, now that Wander Franco got called up, does not have anything rated at 70.
0: Also for reference, because it's been talked about a ton, Jack Leiter, his fastball is also rated at 70. And you hear about his fastball all the time because he throws like 96 or 98 or some shit as a 21-year-old. So the fact that you know we can compare that straight off and we're talking about a slider on a kid like Jack letter is also rated great. This a 60 grade overall prospect. Um, obviously we're looking at just the grades that have been assigned and not really much of anything else uh, because we don't know anything and we're bad at this, but uh, mm. still, I mean, it should tell you quite a lot, especially as Corbin keeps saying as a kid, who's 18 at a high school. So goddamn. Um, our next high school prospect is our next pick, which is uh from the Boston Red Sox drafting in the number four slot, Marcelo Meyer, shortstop out of Eastlake High School in California. Um, yeah, uh, he's a, he's a prospect, he plays shortstop, who knows what it matters. Like, if, if you're a Red Sox fan, you shouldn't worry about the future of um. Xander Bogarts, he'll probably be there forever. You just signed to an extension. Again, this is just a guy who plays shortstop. It doesn't matter yet. Um, neat. Pretty much. Yeah.
1: But He was in discussion for the first overall pick, was kind of seen as the top uh, – what's the term? High school prospect. Thank you. Good job, Corwin, with words. Um, so this was widely seen as a very great pick for the Red Sox to – Pretty much everyone's dismay.
0: Plus a lefty bat. Um, yeah. All the good stuff there. Right handed mm. glove. Of course, he's playing shortstop. They're all right handed gloves. Uh, yeah. So that brings us to our uh, next pick.
1: Getting to baseball, you know.
0: Yeah. That's what kept you from breaking in. Although, uh, if you dove at anything, you'd probably stop it.
1: <laughs> you'd have such reach. Got me there, Yeah. Although there's no way, out, like I would just have to dive in front of it. I'm not getting my glove. I just have to go full goalie and just get my body in front of it because I don't have that coordination.
0: Right. Oh, all right. So next up, the um, Baltimore Orioles to Colton Kouser, an outfielder out of Sam Houston State University. Um, lefty bat, righty glove, uh, 55 overall graded prospect. Um uh I don't have stats for him. Sorry Colton let me try another place. Uh, Colton Kouser. I went to the stats portion of his baseball profile and it uh, it didn't exist. It said nothing here and I was like, ah, oh, shit uh, here we go. Uh, his slash line in college this season is a uh, 374 490 680 1170 um, in 55 games and 253 at bats at 76 hits, 10 doubles, two triples 16 home runs. Uh, 52 RBI, 17 stolen bases, three caught stealings, 42 walks to 32 strikeouts. Um, Obviously, you know, you can't look at an entire kid's career because it's only three years of college, and the idea of it is that you're supposed to be continuously improving. So it's not like, you know, you can look at a guy like Leroy Torres, who was great his first couple years and struggled, and feel very comfortable lumping all those things in. Or you look at a guy – um, who took an appreciable step forward year over year. Like, uh, I don't know, who's been a guy like that recently? Uh, oh, uh, uh, Cedric Mullins. And be like, uh, you know, obviously he's progressed and we're going to count that. It's it's a little bit different looking at college stats because it's like, obviously you do expect the senior preparing to be an MLB ready prospect to have improved year over year. So you don't want to, you will be, you'd be, kind of kneecapping everybody if you counted in their earlier seasons because of the linear method of progression. Uh, but at the same time, at least a small sample sizes of 55 games. So it doesn't really mean much. But anyway, marching forward. I'm just going to actually read names so we can get past this a little bit quicker. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks took Jordan Lawler, a shortstop out of Jesuit prep in Dallas, Texas. The Carazon- Arizona, the Kansas City Royals took Frank Mazzucato, a left-handed pitcher out of East Catholic High School in Connecticut. Uh, The Colorado Rockies with the eighth overall pick took Benny Montgomery, the outfielder out of Redland High School in Pennsylvania. The LA Angels took Sam Bachman, right-handed pitcher out of Miami University, Ohio. Um, And then a round out of the top 10, which is all we're going to do, partially because that's all that's out, but it's also probably all we would do anyway, is Kumar Rocker, right-handed pitcher out of Vanderbilt University. Um, Kumar Rocker being the other half of the – ridiculous duo that Vanderbilt has had. Kumar Rocker's stats this season is a 273 ERA, 14 wins and four losses in 20 games with one complete game, no shutouts, 122 innings pitched, 75 hits allowed, 43 runs, 37 of them were earned, 39 walks, also 179 strikeouts. Um, Although Jack Letter had only allowed three doubles, which is stupid. Kumar Rocker had allowed 20. And while Jack Litter had allowed 14 home runs, Kumar rocker only allowed eight. Uh, his batting average against was 170. Um, And there's been some concern as Corbin said a little bit earlier with the fastball as the year progressed. But uh, again, you know, these guys, well, they're, you know, early twenties for some sports that could be old, but, uh, or at least like not, not, not young, I guess I'll say they're fucking young, you know, and, and, You work yourself up to an innings total over time. No rookie, not many rookie pitchers throw like 200 innings. You know, most rookie pitchers have an innings limit um, as they build up and get used to burning through their arm like that.
1: 62 game season. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, he threw 120 college innings this season. Um, If he were to play for the Mets next season, which uh, I doubt he'll be on the Big League roster, especially with the Mets having a very good pitching rotation uh, but assuming he did for whatever reason i it might be the same amount of innings and then just getting him used to throwing his fastball with a consistent uh with some consistency over the course of that entire time before they start increasing any type of innings so um, what do you think about him falling this far though
1: uh god i wish i could have any actual insight on this other than like i guess teams were really concerned about the fastball or there's something else going on or it's a surprise because he came into the season number one and you know we saw him pitch a 19 strikeout no hitter and that's just fucking outrageous and blew up uh you know his reputation like finally got him or what i should say is you know he was a college pitcher who was a household name because of it Um. So seeing him fall down to 10 when he's kind of been in the the discussion of, you know, top overall pick and then it was, all right, him or lighter top two. And then it's like, all right, we have these two high school shortstops. So, you know, he'll be a top four, top five pick. And then it's like, all right, well, maybe he's going to fall more. And he ends up at 10 going to the Mets. Great place for him to go. um But surprising only because I don't fucking know any better, man. I don't know. This ain't the NFL. I don't have any information here. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're not going to know it either,
0: and a lot of it's going to come down to scouting. Even more of it's going to come down to scouting than the NFL one because, you know, with the NFL, there's so many positions, you're going to take chances on guys that fit a positional need because, I mean, you can't just take uh, a cornerback and stick him at defensive end. That's just – that's not how it works whereas in baseball if you have like six shortstops and you need someone to play second or someone to play third um, you could just take your worst defensive shortstop and put him at second or third and then hey look you got a second baseman um mm-hmm. so it, it's it's really it's not it ain't oranges the oranges it ain't fucking apples the oranges it ain't fucking pears it's it, it we're talking oranges hell, why and dynamite
1: it be compared
0: we, we, we are talking vastly different objects. Um, and so, we, yeah, I, I, I would also be interested in hearing from scouts at some point later on in the process as to why they think Kumar Rocker fell so far. Um, seeing him in a Mets uniform will be pretty cool. I wish it was a different team, but still in New York. Uh, but life, you can't get what you want. Um, now, a former guest on our podcast... Randy Wilkins when he was on the podcast and we asked him for a hot take in baseball. He said that he believes that the MLB draft should be abolished and instead should be a player pool where players can negotiate themselves to be added to teams rosters instead of them being picked because it's uh, having them be picked in the manner that they're currently picked is anti-labor because then they enter into a system where, you know, if you get drafted in like the, anything after the first round really your signing bonus is probably not going to be quite enough to, for you to live on during your time in the minors and you'll have to rely on some thin years due to the uh, wage circumvention of wage that the MLB employs for the minor leagues um, so I figure this would be a good time as any to ask you if you've thought about that at all since Randy brought it up and uh, if you have any opinions on it now
1: the socialist in me wants to say, yes, fuck MLB. They don't deserve to have this kind of control over, you know, their labor in the manner in which they do and, you know, the unfair labor practices of essentially, you know, controlling the rights to people and their livelihood for six years and manipulating that in the fashion in they in which they do. Um because, quote unquote, oh, it's a dream to play baseball. Oh, it's, a, it's an honor, you know, you got to earn it, blah, blah, whatever the bullshit they spiel. As much as I hate that, I am an avid college football fan. And the way f- college football recruiting works is the haves get all of the top players and the have nots get the scraps. And that leads to Alabama going to the national championship every fucking year and Clemson going to the national championship every single year and Ohio state going to the national championship every single year. And, you know, now we have three teams playing in a single game and that just doesn't work out well. So I know why that they have to have, why they need to have the draft, why that system, you know, professional sports really doesn't work all that well because of it. Um, Obviously, it won't be nearly as (sighs) crazy as college football is because at the end of the day, there's not 129 teams in MLB. There's 30. So there's significantly less teams fighting (laughs) for these players. Um, But I still think it's not exactly the best way to go about Making fair labor practices, I think we should just kind of fucking pay people a livable wage because that having to change the entire system because MLB owners are fucking cheap assholes isn't the solution we should be striving for.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, the draft came about in the MLB for a very similar reason. You know, the Yankees were going around and signing everybody because they had seemingly a countless amount of dollars and, uh, you know, teams from less sizable media markets with less money from ownership, at a time when that was actually a genuine excuse. You know, we're talking like the the, the 20s, 30s, and 40s. You know, we're not talking about, you know, in, in like the, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, when, when TV deals became more of a thing and, you know, all teams had more revenue because of reg- increased quantities of revenue sharing, stuff like that. Um, we're talking truly when the Yankees know, actually did have um, significant swing-your-dick-around money against other teams' ability. Um, And the draft was a way to keep them from just doing that. And we even see a form of that restriction today in how MLB handles international signings. You can only get... There's an allotted amount of international signing bonus money that is distributed based... Um, on a, a, a pool. And then you can, you can trade that, your share or some share of your pool of that money, um, of that pool of money, and uh, you set to sign international free agents. They think he's assign sign Jason Dominguez. You know, people do it. Um, and so I, I, well, I do get it. Sh-
1: we should say that only counts for teams that are not the Braves.
0: Yeah. And uh, the Orioles, who will never use it. Um, cheap skate fucks. Obviously, increasing the wage of the minor leaguers is the biggest, most obvious step that would do the most immediate good. But it is still an interesting concept to wonder how removing the draft, which absolutely benefits, because I think one of the one of the biggest other question marks I have is. What would happen to the draft if there was no sliding scale of, in the LB's case, uh, expected signing bonuses, uh, or the NFL's case, pay? And instead of everything getting dropped appreciably for the people at the top, you just raised everybody's by a lot. Because theoretically, if you got drafted, they fucking wanted you. You know? Mm -hmm. I mean, whether it's first overall or Uh, 150th overall they fucking wanted you and if they wanted you they should have to pay you to do it because it doesn't really matter when they picked you what matters is that they did pick you Mm -hmm. Um, and there should be a level of care assigned to that the same way you can't just have a kid and not take care of the kid if you have a kid you either got to find someone else who wants the kid or you got to take care of the kids or you're going to get sued by the state. Um, and you would think one something like that would also apply to people that have no ability to dictate their own terms because of the structure of how their labor gets put into the market. And I think I've come around a lot on Randy's point on it because that's the part, it's the biggest part that if you want to play professional baseball, or any sport, but let's keep it with baseball, there is a barrier to your entry, and that barrier is the draft. And that you cannot circumvent, really. Uh, you can try to do it by playing in foreign leagues and then getting signed from there, but it's not the same if you want to do it through you know a traditional minor league route. And that being the barrier of entry, especially early on in your career when you have the ability to make the biggest difference, you know, hit free agency earlier, get a bigger contract, that type of stuff. Um, the fact that you must do it through this way is—he's right. It's absolutely anti-labor. And I think the more I've thought about, it, the less I care about what would happen from a protecting the broke team standpoint because
1: you're a Yankees fan.
0: <laughs> no, because if the Orioles have, what was their pick number five? uh, yeah. yeah. Five, the fifth overall pick and they're still dodging. Why do they deserve to have the fifth overall pick? If you're going to okay. take a guy 30th overall, give him not a huge signing bonus and then pay him a shit salary anyway. Why should you get the chance to take him there? Why not go to a team that would actually pay him money to play baseball?
1: And And not just set draft slots as a fixed salary.
0: And I think that would probably be if if this was actually negotiated instead of, you know, I guess, Randy, in this case, being made emperor of baseball, that would probably be the middle ground, which is we're enforcing a minimum $65,000 a year threshold for minor leaguers or something like that, um, because there's obviously no way or, baseball would do this. But
1: Or that's that wasn't even what I was saying. Just like in football, the draft slot you get taken at has a fixed salary. The first overall pick gets this amount. The second overall pick gets this amount. So it's not about getting underslotted guys, you know, it's not oh, about yeah, the Orioles taking yeah. a guy, you know, who's ranked, you know, 15th overall on the big board at five because they could get him for less amount of money. It's just pick the best player available because he's getting paid the same amount, no matter what.
0: Right. A uniform pay thing yeah. and it actually being a, a decent pay. There's, there's a lot of things, um, Plus, I think I'm drawn a little bit to the chaos idea of uh, the anarchist notion of draftless society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. its It has definitely been something I've i have chewed on every time I've thought about, well, uh, Vanderbilt this season because of Jack Ledger and Kumar Rocker, but uh, draft prospects in general since Randy brought it up. So thanks, Randy. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks, Randy.
0: Uh, all right. So we'll see how the rest of the draft shakes out and we'll see if we get any, um, same draft season debuts. It's not very common, but it does happen. So that would be interesting to see, um, if anybody actually manages to do that. We were hoping that if the pirates did end up drafting Jack letter, there was a chance he could pitch this season with the pirates since they're so fucking bad. Like why not? Um, but chances are, it's not going to happen. There's also a chance that if he had gone to a team that was bad last season, high enough to draft him, and then good enough this year, um, that they need might need an extra arm for a playoff push. Like uh, I don't know, maybe the maybe the Red Sox. Uh, then you could make a debut that way. But that is also not going to happen since he's on the Texas Rangers and they are doing. Let's check. Uh, bad. Yeah, bad. Uh, 18 and a half games out of the division.
1: So. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm really annoyed he went to the Rangers because that has to be the team I give a shit least. Uh, yeah. Can't I be, give the least amount the of shits about him pitching at. I mean, him going one overall to the Pirates would be crazy because I'm a former Pirates fan, and I'd love to see them be good again. Detroit has such a great young stable of pitchers that that would be great to see you know him going to the orioles would be cool to see them actually try and put this rebuild together you know all these other teams in the top 10 there's some storyline of oh that would be pretty cool to see uh with the rangers i just don't give a shit in any capacity so whatever yeah
0: it's it's a boring team in a Unsexy division because you know even if you went to like the Rockies, which is a boring team right now, it's the NL West and mm-hmm. it's like oh shit okay okay NL West like we'll see a matchup against the Dodgers, right. see a matchup against the Padres, you know, mm-hmm. against the Giants, mm-hmm. the AL West. Ooh, see a matchup against the Mariners.
1: <laughs> see like, a matchup up against he the even if you went to the Diamondbacks, they fucking suck. But Zach Allen's a great young pitcher. Zach Leiter could come in there. Jack Leiter could come in there and, you know, perform well with him sooner than later. And we could, again, see him against the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants, all these other good teams. The Rangers are just... I, I can't remember the last time a top pick went somewhere I cared so little about. Yeah. You know, like, Miles Garrett going to the Browns was like well, at least the Browns can start doing something or, like, they can't fuck up this pick, stuff like that, you know? Yeah.
0: I know. Uh, All right, let's talk about some MLB news then. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is out for the season. Uh, He had an ACL tear while trying to field a fly ball off the bat of Jazz Chisholm, as the Braves played the Marlins the other day. Um, Landed awkwardly and actually tore his right ACL. Um, he's going to be out nine to 10 months is the recovery window that I saw. Um, so that would put him being back, um, sometime around February, March of next season. So theoretically he should be back during spring training. He, depending on how his recovery goes, might not make opening day, but shouldn't be out long afterwards. Um, Fuck, man! It this is so shit for so many reasons. Um, I guess we'll start firstly with the specifically Ronald Acuna Jr. reasons, which is he's been having a great season. Um, he his slash line is a two eighty three thirty three ninety four five ninety six. That's a nine ninety OPS, a one fifty six OPS plus. Um, he was heading into the all-star break with 24 home runs and 17 stolen bases. So the 40-40 for 40 season, 40, 40 season was definitely still on. Um, three stolen bases shy of being a clean 20, uh, but still within the ballpark. And, you know, he'd been tearing it up. He, um, and to see him go down uh, was such a serious injury, too. Cause you want, you know, you, you see those types of players, you see a player crumple because of a bad fall or an awkward fall. And you hope maybe just like a twisted ankle, because mm-hmm. if anyone's ever twisted their ankle, I mean, like you're going to go down. If you twist your ankle, you'll be walking around fine later that day or a couple of days later. Um, but it's like the instant pain of it. And that awkward feeling like is it's immediate. Um, and i was like really really hoping it was something minor like that that just kind of took his body by surprise and you know kept him from putting serious weight on it but it's a, it's just a, it's just a fucking shame uh and then the other part of it is the braves have not been good this season um they haven't necessarily been bad they are second in their division sitting at an even 44 and 44 but that's obviously not good especially in a season where you were supposed to be better um they already
1: contenders for sure going into the season
0: and division leaders for sure um having won their division each of the past two seasons um i said with a little bit too much confidence i actually don't really remember if they won their division two years ago i'm pretty sure they did Hold on.
1: did the nationals go in as a wild card
0: I still am trying to remember. So in 2020, I think they did. first in the NL East, 2019, first in the NL East, 2018, first in the NL East. So each of the last three seasons, 2017, they finished third. And, you know, Marcelo Zuna is already out for very good reason. So there's a, a main starting outfielder that you're short on. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is now out. Wilson William Contreras has been out for a while. Um, and the rest of your team, outside of Freddie Freeman and Ozzy Albies, isn't doing a lot. Austin Riley's been good, but Dansby Swanson's been shit. Um, Guillermo Heredia's been fine. Ahiri um, Adrianza's been fine. Like That's you know,
1: Is he still up?
0: No, he's down, and he was very, very bad when he was up. His OPS plus in 22 games is negative seven. Yeah, as, as a Christian Pache fantasy baseball owner, uh, yes, it is exactly as bad as you're thinking it was. Um, Christian Pache's line is 111, 152, 208 for an OPS of 358. So, yes. Ronald Acuña Jr's on-base percent was 40 points higher than Christian Pache's, or Pasha or however you're supposed to pronounce it um, entire OPS. It's it, it, it's it's sad times. Um, theoretically he's very likely to get called back up because of this injury but he woof woof it's it's bad. So Um, it is Pache, by the way, I just looked it up. Sorry. That's what I was pausing for. And so not only is this a real kick in the fucking teeth, um, for Ronald Acuna Jr. Because obviously having such a serious injury, um, is just awful. And you gotta, you gotta feel for the dude having once again, just a wonderful season. You gotta fucking feel for him. And it's tough for for Braves fans everywhere because here's the face of your franchise, one of the few things that you still have to look forward to in your lopsided season going down, and very likely taking your playoff hopes with them.
1: I'm sorry, I'm stuck looking at Christian Pache stats. This is this is pretty crazy. This is pretty wild all around.
0: Really wild and crazy stuff. Yeah, it's bad. Um, so let me ask you this, Corwin. are the Braves sellers now? Because we talked about a while ago, the fact that the Braves have not extended Freddie Freeman yet. And that was very weird. Mm -hmm. And we didn't think they were going to trade him, but it was weird. And now they probably don't make the playoffs. They very likely don't make the playoffs. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. They're, because uh, ahead of them in the standings is Cincinnati at 47 and 42, which I'm so happy about. Um, and these are the wild card standings, I should say. Uh, Cincinnati, the Dodgers at 55 and 35, uh, the Padres at uh, 53 and 39. So obviously those two teams are taking it. So they're, they're not, they're, they're 10 games out of those two teams. And there's still games out from Cincinnati. And Philly is only a half a game behind them. So they could theoretically sell if they had worse iffy on bringing back Freeman. Um, I don't know. Uh, tell me what you think.
1: If they have contracts that they don't plan on having next year, or, you know, if they don't plan on bringing Freddie Freeman back, which would be a wild decision. If they have other players that, you know, are on expiring deals, absolutely trade them because, you know, You're not going to the playoffs this year, and if you are not having multiple top guys, it's not looking good. I mean, their pitching's a mess. Their batting's a mess now without Acuna there. you got to be sellers because you're a team that's won the NL East the past three seasons. You're a team that, with Acuna there, excuse me, with your guys there, you're a World Series contender. You can't sell. Your future because your future is still a contending team. But my goodness, you know, it's not this season.
0: And you know, and there is still the option on the table for them to pull um the exact shit that the Yankees did when they traded Araldis Chapman to the Cubs in twenty sixteen to just turn around and sign him at the in the offseason anyway. Um, you know, just because the contract That's is expiring doesn't mean that Freddie Freeman can never play for the Braves again. His contract expires at the end of the year. If you're not going to make the playoffs with him, you could trade him to get some capital in return and then just sign him in the offseason. There's nothing stopping the Braves from doing that either. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm trying to see what else they're expiring. So also expiring this season uh, contract-wise is uh, Travis Darno, who is currently hurt. Um, So not a lot of trade value there. Uh, Charlie Morton. Could be an interesting piece to trade to a playoff contender. Um, Drew Smiley, uh, which you know, that's a guy. Uh, eh- name. <sighs> yeah, um, Ehira Adrianza, his contract expires at the end of the season. Shane Green, who well, I didn't realize he was still on the team. Um, Pablo Sandoval, which would be hilarious if he got traded. Um, Abraham Almonte. Let's see. Uh, and then two more. Um, Jesse Chavez and Jonathan Lucroy, who I also did not realize was on that team. Um, there's also a couple of interesting guys whose contracts are expiring in 2023. If they felt like getting there, you know, like uh, Ender and Ciarte, Dansby Swanson, um, Guillermo Heredia, uh, uh, Kevin Smith are all uh, expiring contract. Oh, sorry. Actually, a few of those were arbitration Oh, I see. They're not free agents. They're entering ARB. I see. Okay. No, that has to be free agent. All right, I'm not sure how Track wants me to read this. I don't know. No, it's, it's free agent. He's heading into an ARB year, but he'll be a free agent in 2023. Yeah, so they could move on from some of those pieces as well, but... It's an interesting. It's an interesting point for the because again, to compare this to the twenty sixteen Yankees, it's a similar position. The Yankees were a five hundred team that year. You know, I think they finished something like uh, I don't know, like eighty seven and seventy six or some shit like that. Um, like they they weren't making the playoffs. They were a five hundred team for all intents and purposes, and they had some expiring contracts. So they sold on um, Aroldis Chapman to the Cubs, and they sent. Um, uh, what's his fucking name to the Indians? What's his fucking the lefty? Um. Oh my God! What was his fucking name? He was with them for a few years. Afterwards, the reliever.
1: Oh, um. Andrew Miller.
0: Andrew Miller. Uh, that was that's when they got Clint Frazier, uh, and obviously the uh, Oraldis Chapman trade is how they got Gleber Torres. So those trades worked out phenomenally for the Yankees. Um. Even though Gleyber Torres has been struggling, Clint Frazier has been struggling. Still, they they don't they don't miss either of those players. and Ended up getting Chapman back. So
1: Andrew Miller was a great trade that worked out for the Indians too. Yeah, really worked out both work ways. Yeah, Did yeah. take him to the World Series.
0: I mean, it's going to be because they're not. You know, we're all expecting. I I would think. Um, we're all expecting to see teams like, uh. Texas may trading some talent away. The Twins very likely trading quite a bit of talent away. They're probably due for a rebuild with how much money they've given out in the past few seasons, expecting to be good and having it all just fall to shit this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're probably likely to see maybe the Nationals trade some stuff away, maybe. Um, if they don't pick up some games and early on in the second Uh, In the month before the trade deadline, the
1: panic selling Max Scherzer after seeing him get totally rocked by a relief pitcher making his debut.
0: um, I don't think there would be a panic sell. I think it would be them going, um, well, he's having a great year and he's getting old and we're probably not going to be good enough next year for him to matter for us as a team. Yet.
1: Thanks. Thanks for playing along with my joke.
0: That was a wonderful storyline, though. I lived for that moment, especially because I had you, Darvish, make a start for me. And that saved me from having to eat that loss.
1: (laughs) Oh, you, Darvish, why do you have to be hurt? You made you made a joke before the season started about the Yankees pitching coach coming over and it just fucking killing all of our pitchers. And then Joe Musgrove threw a no hitter. And I was like, ha, in your face. And now we're here, and, well, why? 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 Because I rap about philosophy and me and my nana drinking a cup of tea.
0: Ain't no party like my nana's tea party. Hey. Uh, Yeah. 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 But anyway, Nationals, I guess, might move on from Scherzer. We're probably going to see the Cubs selling, too. Um, so we'll see if the Braves end up in that area um while we're talking about Darvish, you want to talk about what this means for the Padres, as Corbin rolls his eyes and looks sad
1: it's I think it's too early to tell, but it's not great. It's not bad. I'm not panicking. It's just concerning. I'm scared but hopeful mom i want to go home pick me up i'm scared uh
0: yeah i i mean you know there's no good third place contender for the wild card spot in the national league as it stands right now um as i just said the next nearest team to the third wild card is the reds and the um padres have a Cool six and a half games, if I'm reading the standings correctly, um, on the Reds, so they shouldn't have to worry too much, depending on the severity of you, Darvish's um, hip issue, uh, left hip inflammation. So, you know, that could be as anything as minor as um, he's just been working his uh body just too much because you know throwing takes a lot out of your hips it uses a lot of your hip flexors and uh making your um pivot into your like full hip facing position as you you know turn into your throwing motion and also the extension of your leg to reach out into your um i actually don't know what that stance is officially called your pitching stance fucking i don't know um horse kind of stance thing uh or it could be like arthritis. Who the fuck knows? Um, yeah. I mean, the body is a beautiful and horrible uh, yeah. thing. So
1: I, I have no, no information to add to this whatsoever.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, going into the all-star break, you know, uh, you Darvish, if he hits the IL today, um, she says it did. It does. It's retroactive to Friday. Okay. That's what I figured. Um, which means theoretically he's only going to miss a start because that would put take him off the IL uh, or be eligible to return from the IL uh, like Monday or Tuesday of next week, the 19th or 20th. So chances are he's he might be doing this just to miss a start because theoretically he'd be pitching the Padres' first game back from the All-Star break on Friday um, since he's the ace of the staff. So this would... Up- could just be a way to get a little bit of an extra break during the all-star break. Um or his leg could be needing to be amputated. Who the fuck knows?
1: Let's not speak that into existence.
0: Or his hip is tired from just slanging that massive dong around all over the mound. Happy about that? <laughs> yes, yeah, I am.
1: That makes me very happy.
0: You go you fucking jackass. <laughs> um yeah, so we'll fucking see, I guess. Uh, yeah, we uh we can go for a little bit, but let's look at let's look at some standings. We obviously have the um update, the midway update for our bold predictions that we have to do next. Uh, not next week on Thursday, we'll be doing that on Thursday. Um. Well, let's take a quick sneak a peek at the standings here to see how the teams are looking. Uh, let's start in the AL East. Uh, as Boston currently sits on top of the division 55 and 35, Tampa right below them at 53 and 36, a game and a half back. Uh, New York at 46 and 42, eight games back. Toronto 44 and 42, nine games back. And Baltimore 28 and 60, 26 games back. Corwin at the midway point here. Are you surprised? By any of this
1: I'm surprised that Boston's on top oh yeah surprised the Yankees suck not terribly surprised with the Rays but surprised they're doing as well as they are so yeah I'm pretty much surprised about every aspect of this other than the Orioles sucking
0: um, I'm actually surprised that the Orioles suck this bad I would have assumed that they would be on pace to be slightly better than they were last season. And instead they are not, um, their current record. Oh, actually, you know, I'm missing a game for everybody because of today's game. So Boston actually 55, 36 Tampa, 53, 37 Toronto, 45, 42, uh, New York, 46, 43 and Baltimore, 28, 61. Um, so Toronto actually is now a game, not a game, uh, ahead of the Yankees in the standings, uh, with the same win percent, but due to tiebreakers, um, But, yeah, if you had swapped Boston and New York's record, then I would go, ah, yes, this looks right. Um, But because they are where they are, I am surprised by the Yankees' inconsistency and by the Red Sox's consistency. Um, (laughs) But everything else seems to be about right. You know, Toronto's, Toronto, Tampa's been killing it, which they just were in the World Series. One would expect them to still be good. Um, And Baltimore's been bad, and Toronto's been middling, and I think you've got to expect Toronto to be middling until they figure out their pitching. Obviously that team can rake, but they can't th- throw. So that's kind of, important. that is
1: not, not wrong. I'd yeah. love to see all teams just have great pitching all the time because that's fun to watch on TV, but boy, whew, it is quite interesting seeing a team that is so, so strong in one area. And so, so weak in the rest. Well, so, other.
0: Yeah, it is very lopsided, and it feels like it's never usually in quite that direction. But um real quick, Tw- Toronto's 2020 record uh had them at a 42 win percent, uh Um so we'll call that a four 416- sixteen up to four
1: seventeen. <laughs>
0: um we call that a four sixteen win- four seventeen win percent. Uh, in 2019, uh, let's see, 54 divided by 162, so that was an even 333 win percent. Uh, the win percent heading to the All Star Rig is 315. So uh, bad. It's it's just really, really bad. Um, it's literally their worst win percent since 2018. Um, granted, it's only the halfway mark, uh, but it, it, yeah. It's not as bad as 2018 when they had a
1: 20,
0: you know 291 percent, but still not good. Anyway, uh, keeping it chugging and moving, uh, the central.
1: You do chug often.
0: I chug every day, big baby. Um, it, the central division is currently led by the Chicago White Sox at 54 35. Cleveland then follows it up at 45 42. Then Detroit at 40 and 51. Minnesota at 39 and 50, and Kansas City at 36. Fifty-three, um, Cleveland being eight games back of the division, with every other team much, much farther. Uh, Corbin, what do you think about these uh, this divisional standing?
1: Not nearly as surprising.
0: Uh, I'd say this was pretty surprising because of how far down Minnesota is. I mean,
1: uh, if you had fair. told me that yeah, at, yeah. The halfway, yeah.
0: at the halfway point Minnesota would have a worse record than the than the Tigers, I wouldn't have assumed that Minnesota was this bad. I would assume that the Tigers were playing out of their gourds. And instead, Minnesota is chugging dick like it's going on its style.
1: I mean, you know, I had the White Sox as the division leader here. I had Minnesota as a contender for the wild card spot, you know, as the number two team. Um, Detroit not being last and being third is definitely surprising. It really is just, you know, you're right. Totally right that Minnesota is just kind of uh, even this deep into Seeing how bad they are this season and it not just being a bad streak, uh, it is wild how far they've fallen. Um.
0: Which is again why they really should be sellers at the deadline, but the conversation for a different day. We'll take this into the AL West as Houston sits on top of the division 55 and 36, followed by Oakland at 52 and 40, Seattle at 48 and 43, LA over 500 by a game 45 and 44 and Texas at 35 and 55 in what might be the second best division of baseball mm-hmm. as it stands today. Um, Oakland is three and a half games back of the, of the division lead. Everyone else obviously worse off than that Corbin, what do you think of these standings?
1: A uh, little surprised that the Mariners being as good as they are kind of didn't really expect them to be, uh, you know, five games over 500, didn't expect the angels to be only one game over 500, but you know, Astros on top, not surprising, A little surprising that they've got an over, you know, 600 winning percentage, but athletics number two Rangers being dog shit. Not surprising.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I would also say I'm surprised by how good the Astros are. Cause they were also a wild card team last season, much like the Yankees, but they took a big step forward to being who they should be. Uh, NL West. Nope. NL East. Fuck me. Uh, Mets at 47 and 40. Philly at 44 and 44. Atlanta at 44 and 45. Washington at 42 and 47. Miami at 39 and 50. Any surprises here in what has been a weird division recently?
1: Uh, I'm not surprised because I always knew this division was going to be probably the closest running um, and all teams kind of being within striking distance at this point outside of even the Marlins, I would say, um, isn't surprising. The Braves being this bad definitely is, you know, Mets surviving isn't terribly surprising, but let's be honest, it is a little surprising. Um, Otherwise, pretty par for the course.
0: Yeah, I'm honestly not – you could have put these teams in almost any order, and I would have found a very believable rationale for why it was the case. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm really not surprised by almost any of this. Um, But we'll save that for another time. Real quick, NL Central – Milwaukee on top of the division, 53-39. Cincinnati, 48-42. and 42. Chicago, 44-46. St. Louis, 44-46. And Pittsburgh, 34-56. Corwin Heller, are you surprised?
1: If you asked me a week ago when the Cubs were still kind of up on top, I'd say no, it's exactly what I would have expected with the Cubs now being like the worst team in baseball. Yes. Um, but at the same time, You know, it's not the craziest thing in the world. I mean, Brewers fully expected them to be there. Reds definitely having a better season, but somewhat expected them to be kind of flipped with the Cubs right now. Um, Cardinals being where they are, Pirates being where they are, not surprising.
0: Yeah, this this also feels like another one for me where you could have taken every team but the Pirates and put them in any order you wanted to. And I would, again, find a very believable rationale for why it was that order. Um, so it's tough to be surprised when that's the case. All right. Last one, uh, the NL West currently being led by the San Francisco Giants at 57 and 32, followed by the Dodgers at 56 and 35, the Padres at 53 and 40, the Rockies at 40 and 51. And then the Arizona Diamondbacks at 26 and 66 uh, Corwin, any big surprises for you here?
1: No, this is uh, exactly how I predicted it to start the season. You know, San Francisco Giants, clearly the best team in the NL, um, for sure. You know, Kevin Gaussman, best pitcher in baseball, undoubtedly. We all you know, knew this. Yeah, this was <laughs> expected. Um, I mean, fuck, the Giants are – I'm still waiting for it to come crashing down, but they've had the best record in baseball forever, or at least have been up there, you know, in the hunt forever. Um I, I truly still do not understand how this is happening. Just everyone having career years, literally everyone having career years. It's insane. Um, The second biggest surprise is the fact that the Diamondbacks are truly incapable of winning a game.
0: Uh, That's certainly true. And yeah, I think if you just put, if you put the, Giants just you know below the the Padres it would be the season everyone had predicted and instead it's this garbage which um I don't even have anything against Padres fans uh uh, Giants fans I just don't understand how you got this lucky and I hate you for it um because it's so incredible it doesn't make any sense so fuck your face fuck your whole face (laughs) fuck your face fuck your face Um, as our Lord and Savior, Lady Gaga, would say. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we'll get more into, I guess, you know, repercussions of everyone's standings and the diagnosis of why the Yankees are what they are and do what they do. Um, I guess Thursday's episode or some shit, but we'll wrap it up here since we've been gone for a while. Uh, Corwin, how do you have anything else to say before we skedaddle out for this episode?
1: I'm excited for the second half of baseball. I'm excited we get a second half of baseball, you know?
0: Yeah, the All-Star break really makes you thankful for what you got. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of people awkwardly suggesting on Twitter to have it move to the end of the season, like such treasured pastimes, like the fucking Pro Bowl, um, which every football fan famously watches and pays close attention to. Um,
1: should be at the end of this. the game. I don't care when it is. The fucking selections, like the actual naming of the all-stars should be at the end of the year for what matters.
0: Let's just have a, they do have a second thing, but no one cares about it. Cause it's not the Midsummer classic, but anyway. Um, all right. Well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at juicing pod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at juicing numbers at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D Tracy. And until next time.
1: I hope y'all have a good one. Uh.